Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The Lord Jesus was sent by God the Father to go before us to save our lives. God became a man in order to go before us to save our lives. And as a man, God went before us through death to, as it says in Hebrews 2.10, Hebrews 2.10, bringing many sons to glory. Come on now, bringing many sons. Can't you just see that? The sheep of the Lord, and the Lord is the shepherd, and he's saying, come on now, follow me. I'm going to lead you to glory. Just follow me. And just like Joseph went through all these suffering in order to bring his brothers to life, so the Lord went through the cross the suffering of the cross, in order to bring us to life. And, and then he told his brothers that God had two purposes in sending him to Egypt, in verse 7. Two purposes. One purpose, well, may I ask you, what are the two purposes in verse 7 that God had in sending Joseph to Egypt before them? What's the first purpose? Preserve a posterity and, and to save lives. Those are the two. God descend you before to, before to preserve you a posterity in the earth. When Joseph said that God, that he was sent to preserve the Jewish people a posterity in the earth, he was expressing how important it was for the people of Joseph to have a posterity in the earth. This is, this shows us how God has a particular care for the Jewish people, as God has said in Deuteronomy 32.9. Deuteronomy 32.9 says, the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. So what does that mean? Does that mean that all the Jews are gonna, are, are gonna be saved in heaven and no, no Jews in hell? No, not at all. The Lord made that clear in Matthew 8, 11. Matthew 8, 11, I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But does that, does that not change the fact that the Lord loves the Jewish people and they must have a posterity in the earth? You know, there's only one right side of the scriptures, and that is to love the Jewish people. And I don't say that because that's my background. It's just because the scriptures say this. It's to love the Jewish people and to pray for the Jewish people that they'd be saved from their sins. And when Joseph said he was sent by God to save their lives, save their lives. It shows how deeply he wanted them also right there in front of him to be reconciled with him. It reminds me of a Christian that was working alongside of a Jewish man. And I said to the Christian, I know, why don't you tell him, why don't you tell him that you want to spend eternity with him? And the Christian replied, because I don't want to spend eternity with him. <laughs> Well, Joseph 
He didn't see his brothers at what they, as what they had been with their murderous spirit that wanted to kill him in the waterless pit and that sold him into Egypt. He looked beyond their past and he visualized what his brothers would be like if they were saved. And what, and that's what made Joseph want to be with them when he said in verse four, come near to me. And, and, and he wanted to spend eternity with his brothers. And there's a key for us there on how we are to love our enemies and the unlovable in life. It's not to focus on what they have been and maybe still, still are, but it's to see beyond that and to visualize, boy, you know what he could be if he was saved? If he was a Christian, he would be fantastic. And, 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 and that's what Joseph did with his brothers. So when, now, in verse four, when Joseph said, I am your brother, that was very significant. Because don't forget, in the beginning, he opens with, I am Joseph, in verse three. Verse four, he goes further and says, I am Joseph, your brother. Now, if the brothers had it and were talking, they would have said, he's Joseph. That's all. He's just Joseph. They would not even said, they would not have said, he's Joseph, our brother, and this is what makes what Joseph said in verse 4 so important when Joseph said, I am your brother. See, when Joseph's statement of, I am your brother, it meant that when, when the, Joseph's brothers sold Joseph as a slave, they had divorced themselves from being uh, Joseph's brother. But even though Joseph's brothers divorced themselves from Joseph, when Joseph said, I am Joseph, your brother, Joseph was saying to them, even though you have divorced yourselves from me, I never divorced myself from you. Even though Joseph's brothers divorced himself from Joseph, Joseph never divorced himself from them. You know, Zatnath Paneah was not happy until he was Joseph again, their brother. And that's a picture of God as Joseph and the Jewish people. See, when the Jewish people rejected God, and the Lord Jesus. When they said, in essence, in Luke 19, 14, Luke 19, 14, we will not have this man to reign over us. When they said in Luke 23, 18, Luke 23, 18, they cried out at once saying, away with this man and release unto us Barabbas. When the Jewish people did that, they divorced themselves from the Lord Jesus, just like Joseph's brothers divorced themselves from Joseph. But just like Joseph, even though the Jewish people had divorced themselves from God, God never divorced himself from the Jewish people. He said that in Malachi 2.16, Malachi 2.16. For the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, that he hateth putting away. He hateth divorce. In Psalm 137.5, Psalm 137.5, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth, if I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. In Isaiah 62, 6, Isaiah 66, 62, 6, I've set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give them no rest till he establish, till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. See, when you look at John 1, 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not. John 1, 11. His own is referring to the Jewish people. So John 1, 11 was the tragedy of the universe. It was the tragedy. When he came unto his own and his own received him not. And the great need since that happened was the undoing 
of John 11. How's it going to be undone? So the Lord Jesus does not rest until John 11 is undone when he comes, when he comes to his own and his own receive him, which they will do when it happens in Matthew 23, 39. Matthew 23, 29. I say unto you, you will not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that will happen when the Jewish people cry with all their heart for him to return. When they say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, and they mean Jesus. And that will be when he returns, and that will be the undoing of John 1.11, when he comes to unto his own and his own receive him. Now, before this chapter, 45 here in Genesis, the Egyptians loved Joseph because Joseph brought the Egyptians to the true God. And, 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 and in telling the Egyptians about the true God, Joseph told the Egyptians that, look, I'm just a link in a chain of people. I'm just a link in a chain of people. You know, the others in the link are people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Then comes Joseph. And, and so that made the Egyptians very interested in Joseph's family, which is why there was such a great excitement that we see in verse 16 when it says, the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. But if the Egyptians heard that Joseph's brother were so far from God, so far from the true God, they sell him as a slave, it'd be hard for the Egyptians to understand that. That's it. Because, because of, surely this, this, this family of Joseph had so many benefits being close to God. They, they can't be far from God. And that's the same reason why Gentile believers today find it so hard to understand how the Jewish people can be so far from God because they had so many benefits. The people with the Bible, the people with the Messiah, the people with the services of God. Now, what we see in verse 8 has a particular application to anyone in this room who's ever been hurt in life. Anyone here beside me? Anyone here beside me that has received unfair treatment or been hurt in life? See, verse 8, Joseph makes a strong emphasis when he says, it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he he hath made me father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler throughout the land of Egypt. See, the strong emphasis that Joseph is making here is, it's not you that sent me hither. It's very important to see what Joseph is affirming here. Joseph said, it's not you that sent me. Joseph is seeing all the broken pieces of his life, and at last they fit together into peaceful resolution. I mean, here's the issue that's addressed with Joseph's statement. It's not you that sent me hither. What do you do when something really terrible, horrible happens in your life, and there's just no peaceful resolution to, why did this happen to me? I mean, what do you do when that nagging question continues to haunt and disturb? You've looked at all the Bible verses about how God loves you and how you should forget the things that are in the past and how we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it all doesn't work. It all doesn't work. And there's that person or that situation that keeps on coming to your mind and try as you do, you cannot shake off, you cannot shake it off. What do you do? What do you do? Where's the resolution to the question, why did this happen to me? How do you find a lasting peace to the question, why did this happen to me? Joseph is showing us this in verse 8, that the only way he could resolve all these tragedies in life was to see life through the lens of verse 8, not you, but God. And this was Joseph's principle of life, 
that enabled him to make sense over the tragedies that happened in his life. I don't know of any character in the Bible that was more mistreated than Joseph. To me, he's the most mistreated person in the Bible. I don't know any person in the Bible who had more reason to say in his life, that was just not fair. I didn't deserve this. I don't know why this happened to me. So for all the tragic events in his life, to be so betrayed, to be sold by his brothers, to be a slave for the rest of his life, has got to be at the top of the list of, 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 of hurts in life. And all through his life, it was like a horror movie. This devil's horror movie just played showing the scenes of his brothers selling him as a slave, and it just keeps running over and over and over again in his mind. And Joseph can't stop the film. He can't stop this disturbing loop of the reruns of this horror movie in his life. And all Joseph tried, he tried to forget what his brothers did to him. Just forget it. Just let time push the memories out of his mind. But then something happens. Something triggers it, something that Joseph didn't expect. And there comes again, the devil's horror movie. It runs again in his mind, and he sees in 3D vividness the scenes of his brother selling him into slavery. And so he finds himself again in another prison, this worse than Pharaoh's prison. And this is the prison where Joseph is forced to sit down and watch again the devil's horror movie of of his brother selling him into slavery. And from the moment that Joseph was sold by his brothers as a slave, the devil's horror movie ran. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind as he was marched off as the property of the Ishmaelites. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind when he was put on the, put on the platform as a slave and sold again. And the devil's horror movie ran in Joseph's mind when he was put in, his, his feet was put in those painful stocks. And the devil's horror movie ran in his mind every day he woke up in Pharaoh's prison. Every day he woke up in Pharaoh's prison. Joseph hoped maybe it was just a bad dream. Maybe it was really just a nightmare. I'm going to wake up from this. But he realized it's reality, and the devil's horror movie ran again. And every day he woke up. Every day he woke up, it was not a nightmare. It was reality. And every day Joseph faced this problem. Why? Why me? Why did this happen to me? And every day Joseph asked that question, he was forced to sit down and watch another rerun of the old devil's horror movie. And that was the mental prison that Joseph was in. And from the moment that Joseph was sold as a slave, he battled bitterness and anger against his brothers for selling him as a slave and also against God for letting him be sold as a slave. And those are the two parties in this. On one hand, he has his brothers on one side who sold him. And on the other side, he's got God. On the one side, Joseph sees his brothers selling him as a slave. And on the other side, Joseph sees God allowing him to be sold as a slave. And Joseph struggles with this decision as to which side he's going to look at. The side with his brother, the side with God. When Joseph looks at the side with his brothers... He saw their hatred. He saw their envy against him. When Joseph looks at the side with God, then Joseph has to make a choice of what he's going to see. He's going to, was Joseph going to see God who hated him? No. He said, he said, no, I know God doesn't hate me. Was Joseph going to see God who didn't care about him? And Joseph says, no, I know God cares for me. Was Joseph going to see God who was too busy doing something else in the universe? 
when all this happened? Was that what was going to happen? And, and Joseph says, no, I know God never sleeps as he watches over me. So then what did Joseph see on this side when Joseph visualized God? What Joseph saw was God pointing down to Egypt and saying, go, Joseph, go to Egypt. I have a job for you to do in Egypt. I'm sending you to Egypt. Remember the dreams. I've got a purpose for you, and your job isn't done yet. Go down to Egypt. It'll be an adventure, I guarantee you. (laughs) Now, that became the new movie for, for Joseph to look at, a movie that was calming, that was peaceful, that was loving, and it had a wonderful purpose. That became God's movie. The devil's horror movie, God's movie. And Joseph liked this side, uh, you know, of God sending him down to Egypt better than the other side of the devil's horror movie of his brother selling him as a slave into Egypt. The only problem was that the side with the devil's horror movie here of his brother selling him into Egypt was not passive. It was very active. And this side of the devil's horror movie It kept calling out to Joseph, look at me, look at me, look at me. And as loud as the devil's horror movie side calls out to Joseph, God from his side calls out, look at me, look at me, look at me. Now, these calls, you can imagine how these are like become deafening to the point where Joseph is going to go crazy. He's got to make a decision at this point. So Joseph makes his choice in verse 8 when Joseph when Joseph, to the devil's horror movie, cries out and says, not you, but God. That's what's going on in verse 8 here. Not you, but God. He made a decision to watch God's movie of love and purpose and not the devil's horror movie. I mean, just picture yourself going down to Edward's cinema. You know, I mean, when I, when I was young, when you, when you paid the money and you went into the movie, you opened one door and there's the movie, right? Well, not today. So, so you, you know, you, that's not the way it is at Edwards Cinema. And just, just picture that there are two movies playing at Edwards Cinema. One's God's movie, Love, Purpose, and Life. And the other is the devil's horror movie, you know, of, of, some, of, of how someone hurt you. And you pay your money to go see God's movie. And you, and you go down the hall like they have there at Edwards Cinema and you see the different rooms with the signs over the rooms that tell you what movie's being shown in that room. And you see the sign that said God's movie. Okay, that's what I paid my money. That's what I'm here to see. And you get ready to go in the room to see God's movie. But just before you do, you see a sign over another room that says the devil's horror movie. <laughs> and that sign's calling out to you. And it's saying, come look at the devil's horror movie. So as you're sitting there and you're, you know, you're kind of standing there hesitating, and, and then, then the other sign cries out to you, no, come and look at God's movie. And so you're standing there in the hallway, and you make your decision, and then you cry out, not you, but God. That's verse 8. That's verse 8. Not you, but God. And that's what Joseph did in verse 8. He made his decision to look at God's movie of love and purpose in life, and not to look at the devil's horror movie uh, when his brothers sold him. And that's how Joseph made sense over the tragedy of what happened to him in life. And that's how Joseph saw all the broken pieces of his life come together at the end. And that's how Joseph could sing, if he knew it, the song, he made something beautiful in my life. So when Joseph cries out in verse 8, not you, but God, Joseph is making his decision to not see the horror movie anymore of what they did to him, but instead 
Joseph makes his decision to see in God's movie what God did through them. See, it's not a denial of what happened. It's a, so for Joseph, it was not what they did to him, but it was what God did through them. And, and that's how Joseph gives us the key for how to overcome bitterness and anger. It's in this statement in verse 8. Not you, not you, but God. So, Today, what we've learned here from Joseph is three very important principles of life. And we've learned these principles of life from Joseph from three simple statements that Joseph made. The first principle of life is in verse 4, where he said, I am Joseph, your brother. That's the principle of, I am your brother. I am your brother. You know, whenever you get mad at somebody or somebody irritates you, you know, the first thing you want to do, you want to divorce yourself from that person. You want to divorce yourself from being his friend. You want to divorce himself, whatever. That principle was, when he's, that principle, I am Joseph, your brother, that principle was, though, even though others may divorce themselves from you, you do not divorce yourself from them. See, don't be like Cain, who divorced himself from being uh, the brother to Abel, when he said in Genesis 4-9, Genesis 4-9, the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? What was he doing? God was calling Abel his brother, and Cain was divorcing himself from his brother. After all, he killed him. So to be like Cain is to kill others in our mind, to divorce ourselves from them. That's what hatred is. And the second, that's the first principle, I am your brother. The second principle we've seen is in verse 6. These two years of famine has been in the land five years. That's the principle of two down, five to go, concern. Two down, five to go, concern. That principle is to keep in mind, we've got a work to do within the short limits of our life, and we should always be thinking of, 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 of what we can no longer do, that's the two down part, and what we still can do, that's the five to go part. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. The two-down part drives us to get done what we can in the five to go. We need to pray for the lost while we can. We need to encourage the saved while we can. We need to witness to the lost while we can. That's the second principle, two-down, five to go. The third principle is in verse 8. It was not you that sent me hither, but God. That's the principle of not you, but God. That's the principle of choosing, of, of making the right choice, choosing to watch God's movie and not the devil's horror movie. That's a principle of seeing life as not what others did to us, but what God did through others. So these are the three principles that we learn here from this passage, three principles of life that Joseph has, is taught, is teaching us, he being dead yet speaketh. And Joseph is teaching us these principles of, I am your brother, Two down, five to go, and not you, but God. You guys all got it? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, for recording, Lord, the, the, uh, the words of Joseph, and so that we could see how you, through Joseph, um, made Joseph great and made Joseph an overcomer. Help us to be, help us also, that by your Spirit in us, to be just as much an overcomer as he was. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, would like to invite you to celebrate Good Friday on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. Enjoy an evening of an in-depth Bible teaching from Tom Cantor, followed by a communion service on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Then join Tom in the Friendship with God Fellowship Sunday, April 1st at 5.30 p.m. for a special Easter Passover message. You are also invited to a Passover Seder dinner with Tom Cantor, Saturday, April 7th. The cost of the Passover meal is only $20. Enjoy great DZ Aikens food, fellowship, and a memorable Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. The Friendship with God Fellowship Church is located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, next to the Highway 67 and the Santee Drive-In. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.